Hi, I'm Dave Westberg, and you're listening to the Billboard Insider Podcast, where I interview industry leaders about trends impacting the U.S. out-of-home advertising business. This podcast is sponsored by Samsung LED Displays. Today's podcast guest is Russell Abdullah, Head of Strategy and Planning for the Display Division at Samsung Electronics America. Welcome to the show, Russell. Thank you very much. I'm very, very excited to be here. Russell, talk about your career and how you got involved with out-of-home. Well, let's just say that this is not what I planned to do when I grew up, uh, <laughs> but I'm absolutely super excited to be here. Often when I speak about this customer calls or the like, my passion gets the best of me. Mm-hmm. And so I will just caveat that ahead of time. And if I do become animated, even on a podcast, it's not because I'm yelling at you. It's just that I really love the space yes. and, and all of this. But I came, I came through the advertising world and, and the outdoor world through Samsung, but I spent the majority of my career in advertising, starting in desktop advertising and slowly transitioning as the market evolved into the programmatic advertising world. Mm-hmm. I hit a point about two years ago where I really was keenly interested on where that proverbial puck was going. Mm-hmm. And I saw that that was going towards the out-of-home market. And while the rest of the space was somewhat penetrated, out-of-home seemed like a really greenfield opportunity. And as I came to that decision, Samsung also came knocking because they were super interested. And, you know, a company like Samsung knocks the door, you answer it. <laughs> and I guess the rest will be history, hopefully. Now, let's review Samsung's history with out-of-home. It's been active not only in small screens, but also big screens. Oh, absolutely. So Samsung is the number six most recognized brand in the world, mm-hmm. according to Interbrand. So we've all seen ads. I think there's some data saying, I don't quote me on this, but somebody touches a Samsung device at least two or three times a day across wow. the country. Wow. But the way specifically Samsung got involved with the out-of-home space and advertising specifically in there is the, their first foray into programmatic advertising was during the Galaxy S9 launch. Hmm. when they actually started to adopt that ad delivery protocol. Mm-hmm. And what they had noticed from an ad, from a marketing perspective, that by implementing programmatic advertising in digital out of home, they saw an 8% lift in consideration, a 6% lift in purchase intent, but most importantly, a 15% lift in in-store visits. Wow. So the, the, mantra, the mantra of the value proposition of programmatic advertising, we realized, directly mm-hmm. by seeing a 15% lift in in-store visits by just putting a billboard or a, a kiosk signage in the right place, serving the ad at the right time. 15% is a big deal for us in our state. Oh, it's huge. So it was great success. Yeah. yeah, great success. And so if you think about the new phones, the Galaxy S20, it's been a bit of time mm-hmm. right? since we took our first foray as a media buyer. And so over the course of the last let's call it three to four years, we've started to think about the value proposition that we can have to our end customers on the display side, of course, commercial display, be it out of home LED mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or indoor LFD or hybrids that go indoor outdoor. And we wanted to start considering how can we increase the value proposition in a very crowded market space mm-hmm. for our products and how can we can leverage advertising to try to help our end customers use their screens as a potential revenue stream. 
Mm-hmm. And that's what kind of we started to do, and we've been gaining a lot of traction over the last year and a half, which is why I'm super excited to talk to you today. Wow. It's fascinating. So you're, you've been able to take your own internal learnings and say, well, let's help share what we've done and that success with some of our clients, our out-of-home clients. Fascinating. What trends are you seeing in the out-of-home industry? Well, I, I think the biggest trend that we're starting to see is the digitalization of billboards. Hmm. Now, it's not growing at a dramatic pace. I think if you look at the number of billboards across the country from 2016 to 19, mm-hmm. the numbers are generally flat, slightly down. 2016, there's about 300 and let's call it 70,000 billboards mm-hmm. across the country. 2019, slightly less, 342. Mm-hmm. But what you've seen is a smaller penetration. Uh, roughly a 38% increase from 6,400 to 8,800 between 16 and 19. Mm-hmm. Well, at the same time, you saw a 7% decrease in the number of billboards. Obviously, the penetration is there. So so digital signs are growing at a time when maybe the overall billboards are not. Absolutely. And, and you know, I, I think one of the things is cities, they're getting on the digital bandwagon and they're saying, we see benefit of digital We'll let people convert static billboards to digital, maybe if you take down two static billboards for each digital face. I think that's part of what's going on there. Yeah, absolutely. And and you're seeing it in the larger metropolitan areas first. Obviously, the, the route to market's a bit easier and the potential for digitalization easier with the access to broadband, et cetera. Yes. But we're also seeing it on major highways. Hmm. Uh, and things too. So I'm a New Yorker, mm-hmm. and I've been seeing the digitalization of billboards for quite some time. But I've moved out to the suburbs recently, and I'm starting to see those further and further we go out. Obviously, major thoroughfares are going to be the most likely place to see digitalization happen. But I think the value proposition of digitalization of these billboards is quite obvious, right? Yeah, You can change the content quicker. You can rotate ads quicker. You don't need somebody up you know, 65 feet in the air, yes. paper macheing a new ad up, right? That's mm-hmm. less headcount, less danger, you know, quick rotation on ads, et cetera, et cetera. The value proposition is there. Mm-hmm. Right? It's just to figure out a way to, one, subsidize the exorbitant cost of that screen mm-hmm. and to be able to deploy this out in a more efficient way. Hmm. Hmm. You know, one other thing on why I think digital signs are becoming so popular, cities are seeing them now as an asset not as a liability, not as a nuisance. I, they are looking at maybe what Times Square has done with the digital sign district, what Atlanta is doing with its digital sign overlay district. I saw a big new development in downtown Nashville where they're using the digital signs uh, to create buzz, to create energy, to create attraction, and also to be able to do public service advertising. And it's sort of like the digital signs become an engine of development. That's very true. I, there's a few other municipalities that I legally can't speak to mm-hmm. that are talking about doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just that I make I make jokes a lot about we're no different than insects. We like bright lights and people gather towards bright lights. <laughs> uh, now, if you're in a municipality, you're going to want people gathering because gathered people need to eat. Yes. Gathered people need to shop. Yes. Now, while, while as a native New Yorker, Times Square might be a bit of a mess. We also know that that financial impact that has on a, on a community or, or, or in the city. And so you're seeing these in L.A., Miami, even major transit hubs 
right, mm-hmm. that don't necessarily have a huge population mm-hmm. are all adopting digital because of the value proposition that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. So those are some big picture trends. What are you seeing in specifically in programmatic? What trends? So we're seeing the same growth trajectory in digital out of home that we have in some of the more traditional ad formats that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. So if you look back about a decade ago, most of your desktop web display was done through normal, what we call linear means, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Ad agency contacts the publisher, a secure an ad is, you know, agreed upon and it's set. And it's a specific buy each time an ad needs an ad campaign needs to run, it's delivered. Well, you fast forward about 10 years and that programmatic serves 84 to 85% of every ad you see on your desktop. Wow. Mobile followed about five to six years, four to five years later, let's say. And now 60% of every mobile ad that you see is through, served through programmatic. Mm-hmm. Same with video, primarily YouTube, but all that's done through programmatic infrastructure. Now, digital out of home is probably a little further behind, right? It's just beginning. Mm-hmm. You see, if you see about, let's call it less than 5% of the market right now that's digital. Mm-hmm. The out-of-home market is 1.2 billion right now. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the potential for the digital out-of-home market, you're looking at a $42 billion industry, $43 billion industry, if I'm allowed to round. Mm-hmm. And so we're only at early days here. Mm-hmm. Super exciting. Mm-hmm. Wow. What is Samsung doing to help out-of-home companies take advantage of programmatic advertising? So, you know, that's the classic question, right? So we have arguably the largest commercial digital signage footprint, at least in the U.S. We'll speak to the U.S. here. I won't speak global trends. Mm -hmm. So we have the opportunity for our expansive end customer base to start realizing this advertising opportunity. It's a way of enhancing our value proposition, making the screens that they might use, not just one for 100% share of voice advertising, but for mixed use. Think about a bus shelter, or like you said, in Times Square with Mm-hmm. PSAs and things that want to run. The cost of digitalization is not cheap. Mm-hmm. But what if we at Samsung could help defray that cost, defray the capex by introducing an alternate revenue stream that they can actually make these screens money makers instead of just a sunk cost, mm-hmm. right? And so what they've done over the course of the last two and a half, three years is put the pieces in place to make sure you know, from a content management perspective, mm-hmm. all the way to an ad delivery perspective, whether they can build that infrastructure on board onto the chip of, you know, if it's a standard large format display or as part of the set top box that sits behind a large outdoor display mm-hmm. to be able to have all that in one spot so that the end user can realize more value for the investment that they made. And that's what we've been working on. That's why I'm starting to get on calls like this Yes. And podcasts like this to start promoting the concept, to let people know, hey, the cavalry is here. We're ready. To, we're ready to go. Mm-hmm. What partners are you working with to help make this happen? So am I right? The vision is if I have Samsung Prism View, big digital billboard, or if I have a smaller Samsung screen in my place-based advertising network, be it a mall or a restaurant, I can now use my Samsung software to connect that programmatically? Is that what I'm, that's the vision of what you're trying to do? Yep. That's exactly it. And mm-hmm. for us to realize that vision, we, we have to know what we do best. 
mm-hmm. right? And, and a lot of companies learn this the hard way. We do we do display technology the best, and we feel that we do. Mm-hmm. But what we did is we needed to access a portion of the market. And this is the programmatic portion, mm-hmm. and work on finding partners to work with that have a marketplace footprint, have a working model that we can partner with. And so we went through a fairly exhaustive criteria selection process, and we arrived at a company called Vistar Media, mm-hmm. a fairly well-known outdoor space. They, I think they work with most of the major large billboard operators. I'm partnering with them to build a native solution within our content management system, mm-hmm. our delivery system, Magic Info, mm-hmm. to be able to open up all end users to the programmatic ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So we went live with the integration in March. Of course, with coronavirus, digital out of home market took a bit of a nosedive, as we know. Yes. You know, we took that time here internally to perfect the integration, to test out the gates. Mm-hmm. And now we're just waiting for the market to kind of pick up. But we're using the time wisely to make sure we've got the right product and the right solution for mm-hmm. the right customer base. Most recently, we've started putting really earnest development on the prison view part of the solution. And that's, mm-hmm. that's why I'm super excited here to talk to this audience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I think the... The market potential is immense. Mm-hmm. Although it's early days, we would like to be in a position as this trend towards digitalization hits critical mass mm-hmm. to have a very well incubated solution for the market. This podcast is brought to you by Samsung LED displays. Selling digital out of home ad space used to be a nightmare, but now there's an easy way to make the most of your digital display programmatic advertising. This new technology empowers you to earn income on your investment with ease. You control who can advertise what, when, and for how long. An online marketplace takes care of the rest. Get the free guide from the experts at Samsung. Find out how to earn fast, reliable ROI on your digital displays by visiting billboardinsider.com backslash Samsung. Have I heard it right then, Russell? If if I buy a new Prism View digital sign, does the Samsung operating software, does it already have a pipe then, if you will, installed into Vistar so that my inventory can be sold through Vistar's network programmatically? Magic Info and Vistar's partnership is alive and working, and we've mm. already tested it in the lab. Mm-hmm. I do want to not oversell the solution. We haven't sold it uh, yes. broadly Yes. Yes. to Prism UN customers. Mm-hmm. But if I had our sales team on this call, yep, they would attest to the fact that they are aching to get to the market with this mm-hmm. because I think this is something that the market is really looking for. Exciting. Yeah. What we have, especially in the regional player space, we have a disintermediation of solutions mm-hmm. that are not really scalable mm-hmm. for the folks that might not be the JC Decos, there might not be the Outfronts, there might not be the Lamars. Mm-hmm. But let's be honest, that's the majority part of our industry. I think what we have with the Prism View solution with Magic Info is the ability to reach a broader market and kind of democratize the access to this Madison Avenue dollar mm-hmm. that everybody's looking for. Mm-hmm. You've talked about that before. Expand on that thought of how your solution democratizes the process for the independent operator. Absolutely. So the cost of standing up an organization to be able to generate ads, right? Mm-hmm. You need to build an ad server. You need to build the operations around it. You need to be able to then reach out and develop connections across the, you know, the advertiser ecosystem to generate ads. What Programmatic does is it, it allows any individual player to have access to that. 
right? You no longer have to have a proverbial ticket into the door, but you'll still have a seat at the table, mm-hmm. right? And what that's done in the desktop space or the mobile space is it's allowed anybody and everybody that's ready to deliver ads to be able to do so. And there's no coincidence whether we like it or not, the, you know, the proliferation of apps on mobile, the proliferation of blogs and content on the web, it's because anybody could then put up a website, a blog, an app, and be able to realize revenue from that. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's no different if you zoom out to digital out of home. Now, of course, there's considerations on where you can put a billboard or you can put digital signage. But the opportunity and access to advertising dollars mm-hmm. is now being realized by the most smaller play, smallest player. Whether you're a regional pharmacy or a local pharmacy or a local corner shop that wants to put a, mm-hmm. a, a programmatic advertising offering behind the register, now you can. Mm-hmm. But you don't need to know a guy in Madison Avenue to do so. And that's why I keep on saying democratization because I think it's, it's, it's actually that straightforward now. Yes. What mistakes do you see companies make when it comes to programmatic? Mistake number one is mistaking my alacrity for this confluence of money that's waiting for them to pile in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I've just spent the last 20 minutes telling you how it's going to be so easy, mm-hmm. but it's not like you're going to open the door and then all of a sudden money's going to come in. Right. Programmatic is still building. So will it pay off the cost of your billboard within a couple of months? No. Will it defray the cost? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, the other consideration you have to make, I'm talking to the audience that already knows this. So this is obviously, you know, <laughs> yes. not new news, mm-hmm. but it's location, location, location. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you're in a major metropolitan area, large major thoroughfare, a lot of, lot of eyeballs, mm-hmm. you're going to get more ads. Mm-hmm. Right? You're going to get more demand pushing your way. If you're a screen in the lobby of a corporate office, mm-hmm. maybe not so much. Right. Mm-hmm. Things to consider, where your asset will sit, how many eyeballs see it. But even in the outdoor space specifically, environmental concerns, right? Mm-hmm. Is it a proper digital outdoor sign? Does it have the proper enclosure, right? Mm-hmm. Is it in a place where the sun might hit it too directly and you get glare on the screen? Mm-hmm. Right. All of things, these things matter, not necessarily the glare part, mm-hmm. but because the way programmatic works is the end user, or the bidder knows exactly where that is and using you know software and third-party software knows the amount of people that are in that space generically. If it's not in the right space, it's not going to deliver the ad. Mm-hmm or at least the larger volume ads. And so you want to make sure you think through where that signage is going mm-hmm. because the more lucrative location you put it in, the larger percentage of ads you'll be able to pull through. Yep. Let's come back to maybe how programmatic can contribute. So we have a model that in basically desktop or mobile, programmatic is the majority of the advertising programmatic and out of home right now is tiny, just a couple percent of maybe the total total ads that are coming into the medium. Do you see us ever getting to a world where a majority of the revenue is programmatic or are we talking about 20%, you know, 30%? Do you have any sense of, of how that might look? I do see this following very similar growth trajectories to web and mobile. Mm-hmm. Now, if we talked about programmatic 
and web a decade ago when I was starting my career in media, I would have never believed that 85% of the market's going to be served through this protocol. Mm-hmm. With digital out of home, it's a little bit more complicated because it's not just standing up a website, but the, the physical requirements of standing up a billboard, yes, standing up a digital signage. And so the cost considerations are more, mm-hmm. but I don't see the growth trajectory being that much different hmm. because just like I had mentioned that when you saw the growth of programmatic, you also saw the proliferation of content mm-hmm. on the web and mobile. Mm-hmm. I believe as programmatic penetration increases, the number of digital signage mm-hmm. that hit that, that actually exists in the market will also increase. Interesting. Yeah. So while, you know, maybe in some of the less traffic regions of the world, you're still going to see the stack signage. Mm-hmm. But in places where there is large audiences, we do see a conversion to digital. Mm-hmm. And this is part of the reason why we at Samsung were trying to find this sort of offering is help speed up the digitalization because the capex cost of putting into converting a board is considerable. Mm-hmm. But if programmatic can help defray that, then I think it's going to help the overall expansion of the space. Privacy is becoming a big issue again. Apple's new, is it iOS 14, is going to allow as a the automatic, you're going to have to opt in to have your data shared. If you don't opt in, your data won't be shared. And also, I the in California now, they've got uh, enough signatures to put a new initiative to put together a new regulatory agency to chase people down and fine them for privacy violations. What's your opinion on the impact of any pending privacy measures on out-of-home? So on out-of-home specifically, I think there's less of an impact. I will say that I believe, and I can't believe I'm saying this, I might lose my <laughs> membership card in the digital advertising world, but I do believe that privacy is super important in the space, specifically web and most specifically in mobile, right? Mm-hmm. What these privacy what these, what these privacy laws are really focused on is really exposing our PII, mm-hmm. our personally identified information, or our PII-adjacent stuff like the, the psychographics and infographics that the Facebooks and the Googles of the world generate. Mm-hmm. In out of home, we don't generally have that problem, right? Because we're not using PII to reach the broad base. We're using demographics or assumed demographics of the location mm-hmm. that we're serving the ad at. Let me give you an example. If there's a Taylor Swift concert happening at a local arena, I'm probably sh- I'm probably likely to guess that there's going to be, you know, men and women age 18 to 25 <laughs> going to that concert. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not PII. That's just general demographic, maybe even psychographic, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Digital out of home doesn't really fall into the the scope mm-hmm. of what, you know, mobile or, or, or desktop is doing. Now, if you've watched Minority Report, you might disagree, mm-hmm. but we're not really there right now. Where it gets a little gray is if you're using a camera to do so. Yes, yes. But specifically this audience, mm-hmm. I don't know if that, matters as much but even there there are laws and rules in place mm-hmm. where the camera is not actually taking pictures but counting and so what i believe we're going to see is more counting tools mm-hmm. than actual physical cameras that are looking at human beings yes because again that's that that's the epitome of pii right i also think the industry there is consensus to not want to do sensitive targeting with individuals to for instance, follow an individual up Fourth Avenue with with some very sensitive health ads. 
tailored to that individual. The, the industry is not doing that. It won't do that because it, it views that as a invasion of privacy. So it's going to stay away from, if you will, over, over-targeting because, because out-of-home is one-to-many and more than one individual is going to see that sign. So the, ind- the industry seems to be putting brakes on its sort of hyper-targeting of individual ads. I, I will agree with you 100%. And I yep. can speak to my experience on, you know, in more traditional digital ad formats. They're fairly good, and I can't speak to Facebook and Google of the world because I, I, my experience predated social, but they were very good at making sure objectionable content doesn't make it on the internet. Yes. I remember even, even when we were on the sales side, health-related ads mm-hmm. were almost taboo. Hmm. You just didn't do it. Right? Yes, yes. There is an opportunity to do that in digital at home, but no, everybody likes their jobs. <laughs> and, and if you place that wrong ad at the yeah. wrong time, you're right. going to lose your job. Right. It, it, it's it's real time feedback. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's always exceptions that will exist on the fringes. Yes. But for the most part, this industry actually does self police pretty well. Yes. And, and I think that'll continue as social and moral responsibility kind of continues to be at the forefront of our thoughts. Now, Russell, we share a hobby when we're not working. Talk about that. <laughs> well, I knew that you, I saw that by your area code when you first called me that I saw a 206, which yes. is, you know, the epicenter of, you know, Pacific fly fishing. Yes. So we had to talk about it and we learned that I'm a East Coast fly fisherman. Yeah. Actually, I was born out in Oregon. I don't know you knew that. Were you? Huh. Yeah, I was born in Corvallis, Oregon. Yeah. And as legend has it, day three out of the hospital, my dad had me on the banks of the Snake River fishing for salmon oh that's hilarious that's hilarious and so the family obsession with fishing didn't stop yeah anytime soon so i basically grew up with a fly run on my hand good for you but i would say fly fishing fly fishing is a lot like skiing for me because yeah. once you taste it out west yeah. everything out east is, is terrible where's your favorite place to go well i can't name the river because you know <laughs> fly fishing and never tell no hot uh, spotting yeah no hot spotting <laughs> i would Love, I love every opportunity to fly into God's country, aka Montana. Yeah, and fish some of some of the, the rivers out there. The native fish are incredible. Yep, even the smallest five to six inch trout will, will fight like a salmon sometimes. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, bring a three weight out there, put the backpack on my back, and and start exploring. And that that's heaven for me. That's all for this week. Thanks for appearing on the show, Russell. My pleasure. Thank you for having us. This podcast was edited by Lucas Jones and sponsored by Samsung LED Displays. You can listen to episodes of the Billboard Insider Podcast by visiting BillboardInsider.com or by subscribing to the Billboard Insider Podcast on iTunes or any of the usual podcast outlets. Our email is BillboardInsider at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. I'll be back in a couple weeks.